Oh, America. I wish I could tell you that this was still America. But I've come to realize that you can't have a country without people. And there are no people here. No, my friends. This is now the United States of Zombieland. And why am I alive when everyone around me has turned to meat? It's because of my list of rules. Rule number one for surviving Zombieland? Cardio. Which leads me to my second rule, the double tap. In those moments when you're not sure the undead are really dead dead, don't get all stingy with your bullets. I mean, one more clean shot to the head. Rule number three, beware of bathrooms. Which leads to rule number four. Pretty basic. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Hello, and welcome to, to Batman Universe Special's podcast feed, Deceased Cast Part 2. This is Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. And today we're bringing you the second half of the first Deceased miniseries. Uh, we're going to do our normal summary of the last three issues. Then we're going to run into some discussion questions and wrap up with my bad take of the episode. Feel free to leave us comments on Twitter at TBU underscore comics or on our Discord in the TBU specials channel. So without any further ado, Deceased, Issue 4. Amanda Waller orders the Atom to investigate an infected but he is himself infected and infects Captain Adam, who then attacks the world with the might of atomic fire. Superman regroups with his group at the planet, then heads back out with Dinah, finding Barry and Wallace, two of the Flashes, who had been hiding from the plague after Batman warned them. Ivy saves Harley from an infected Bat family women. So that would be Catwoman, uh, Batgirl... Uh, Batwoman and Huntress. Superman and Dinah return to the planet just as an infected Giganta attacks. They take her down, and Cyborg arrives to destroy Giganta and deliver more information. Alfred also arrives in the Batplane, giving Damien Bruce's Batsuit and last message. Cyborg tells him they all must flee, and Hawkwoman tumbles in with Wonder Woman with the news of Captain Atom's infection. Superman and Wonder Woman fight Captain Atom, and he explodes so violently that Washington, D.C., Baltimore, and Metropolis are all consumed. Issue 5. Dinah saves Batman's group with the ring, and Luther joins the party. The team takes days to destroy the internet on land and in space. Wonder Woman opens up the mascara for refugees, while Damien Batman, Arrow, and Dinah Lantern seek help from Poison Ivy, who's formed a protective forest in Gotham. In the delegation, alongside Harley, persuade Ivy to open up her land as well. Luther plans an arc to save 7 million people from Earth though he earns a well-deserved punch from Lois. The heroes bring as many survivors as possible, but after a few weeks, an infected Martian Manhunter attacks, infecting Barry. Superman flies Barry, flies through Barry to kill him, but the collision infects him as well. Wallace gives Clark some extra time with his family. 
Then Superman flies away, but not fast enough. Issue 6. Superman returns to Earth, infected, destroying hope. Batman and Wonder Woman plan together to kill him as the rest of the heroes desperately load the arcs. They must leave many behind, and Green Arrow, Wonder Woman, and the heroes of Themyscira kill the infected Aquaman as he attacks with a legion of sea monsters. The Amazons are destroyed, giving the Ark time to escape. Superman infects Wonder Woman, then heads for the Arks. Lantern follows as the entire Green Lantern Corps arrives. Faced with their power, the infected Superman begins feeding on the sun directly, trying to absorb enough power to destroy the new foes. The Corps determined that this will freeze the solar system, sending the virus into dormancy. On Earth, Cyborg interrogates the infected Wonder Woman with her lasso, discovering that he is the cure, just as he was the origin. Before he can tell the Arcs, though, the infected Diana rips Cyborg's head off, casting him deep into the Earth as the Arcs fly to Earth 2, humanity's new home. So, we have some really interesting stuff going on in the end of our first deceased miniseries. One of the things I found most enjoyable was the characterization of the villains and references to past continuities. For example, you have Poison Ivy's forest, um, which is basically what happens in Batman No Man's Land, where she forms a forest where refugee children, children who are refugees from the devastation of the No Man's Land, become part of her family and she protects them. Lex Luthor, of course, is pretty hilarious. He checks if Batman is dead before declaring himself the world's smartest being. Um, and he's also a complete jerk to Superman about losing two homeworlds. Uh, how do you think any moments of these, this humor or these, these references really stand out to you in the second half of deceased? I liked in injustice, the way that Tom Taylor wrote, uh, Ollie green arrow. And I am not disappointed in this one. I just loved uh, the scene where he's disappointed that Batman didn't have a, uh, uh, what's it called? A backup, not a backup plan, but a plan to take out him in the event that he became evil. And he was a little miffed. And then when he kills Aquaman from, what is it, like half a mile away through a storm with an arrow in the brain, he's like, blank you, Batman. <laughs> and I thought that was insensitive, but quite funny. <laughs> So I did like that part, even though it might not have been the time, but it was funny. Yeah, I, I like the char- characterization of Ali uh, in here as well. You know, Ali is always the smart alecky one. Um, and I mean, what what do you expect? You know, this is the guy that hung around with Hal uh, most of the time. Uh, if there was one thing that kind of felt weird was Damien's characterization, particularly after... Batman died. Uh, he, he he became more human. Mm. Uh, I don't know if if people would think, well, what's the problem with that? But we gotta remember, Damien has always been a dick and proud of it. <laughs> so um, you know, seeing him, you know, being more logical, being more humanizing, was a little weird to see. Uh, I definitely I think that picked makes up, sense, though. I do. I I I I I, I agree. Yeah, but I remember I've I've loved Damien in his current form um, since he's returned from the dead. Um, 
So, you know, not saying that I have a problem with how Taylor finished the series with Damien. Um, but no, I actually enjoyed all of the characterizations. And yes, I definitely got the reference to No, Man, no Man's Land as soon as I saw the jungle. Um, you know, it's just twice the size of, of the jungle from No Man's Land, which was pretty much uh, it was at Robinson Park, wasn't it? I believe that's where it was. Um, but no, Taylor did a good job with, with each of these characters. And I definitely like the, the idea of Lois getting one last punch in on, uh, on Lex. So my first question was, what moments got you in the feels? Like, I actually had some physical reactions, like, in my, in my, like, eyeballs and sinuses and my heart gave a little gasp I guess when um Luther falls down at Superman's feet like Superman is like I don't want to deal with your crap right now I you know whatever you want to do I'm not in the mood and uh and then he just collapses and I just seeing Luther do that to Superman was just I don't know I got a little misty-eyed and like (gasps) wow like he is in a dark place <laughs> for him to do that. And of course, then he comes back, you know, and gets all smarmy about stuff later. And then the other one was uh, when John has to go out and fight Superman and just him saying, hugging Damien and just him saying goodbye to his mom. And that just, you know, I can just hear Mo from The Simpsons in my head. What's thing to the children? <laughs> They're just babies, but yeah, those two those two moments really got me choked up. Yeah, if if, if everyone could remember from from the last episode, uh, the last specials episode, the, the 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 one moment that got me in this in the fields, and this this pertains to the entire series, was Damien's reaction to Bruce's death. Uh, you know, again, considering you know Damien. Damien's mannerism up until that point, um, you know, that one definitely got me in the feels. Uh, and like Steph, when when John went to face Clark, um, it kind of left you wondering, you know, if if you hadn't read it the first time, you know, that first time I was reading it, you know, it, it you know, had me, you know, wondering whether or not, okay, this is not going to end well. Um, so those are the two two points for me, and ironically, they both they both pertain and they both uh, pertain to the Super Sons. <laughs> I don't think that's ironic at all. I think that's <laughs> on brand. Hit, hit DC. I none of the moments really hit me as hard as Batman's death in the first half of the miniseries. Um, I did have both a you know, sort of a, a horrific feeling and also kind of an amusement that Captain Adam was infected by the Adam. And I think that was very much on purpose, but it was also horrifying. It was well done in terms of a horror element. Uh, I, I'm kind of boring. I was moved by um, Superman's, you know, his infection, his goodbye, and then his sacrifice, but it fails. And so John has to fight him. So all that whole sequence was quite well done, just not Maybe it's because I'm more connected to Batman. I'm not sure. I do. 
I mean, I think everyone knows. I really love Lois and Clark, and I think Taylor does a good Lois and Clark and John in this miniseries. So he definitely earns the emotion, but it just didn't quite hit that same level that Alfred having to kill Batman did. And of course, you know, Damien getting the Batsuit, that was a pretty good moment. My second question is, we have multiple artists on this finale issue because it's extra-sized. How do you feel about the changing of art? It's not too jarring, but it is a little disappointing to me that we have a miniseries, just six issues. They could have maybe pushed back release by a month and given Trevor Harsing the time to finish a full issue. Or do you think that the different artists was necessary? What was your take on the, the multiple artists in the finale? They didn't even really notice i think i don't think i could tell you what who who did what um i'm not a super fan of the art just because like i don't know there's a couple of scenes where it's just too scratchy and it looks like something else like i think there's a scene where martha is looking down and it's not a close-up she's kind of mid-range and just the scratchiness on her chin makes it look like she's got a full-on beard (laughs) And it's just, it wasn't my favorite. And I, so I probably didn't look too closely to distinguish the difference. And like you said, it's not jarring at all. So it didn't, it didn't bother me. Yeah, it, 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 it wasn't jarring to me as well, you know, and, and like Steph, I didn't really take notice to the difference than, than to the story itself. Um, So that, yeah, it, it wasn't an issue to me at all. Well, that's a good thing that it uh, definitely didn't affect most fans' views. And I think that's probably why DC does it. And I think, as a side note, that's why DC's going to continue with their double shipping schedule, because it's been clear to them that most fans aren't holding out for art by one artist, even though I think most fans would think it's nice. It's not quite as essential to most fans collecting as it used to be. And, the, and that's, that's especially the case if, if if the artists share similar styles. You know, if if they share similar styles of of, of drawing, you're not you're not going to notice it, and you know most fans won't won't say anything. Now, if you get Jorge Jimenez and uh, Riley Rosmo to do one issue together, you'll definitely be jarred by the two different styles but you know yeah i i i, I it you're going to make me go back and look through the issue again to try to pick out the different pages well i think actually the credits show the different pages um yeah. so you can just look through it with that knowledge i would say that sometimes such jarring effects are going to be intentional so right now we've got strange adventures going on and that has two different artists on each issue and they're showing sort of a constructed reality versus a more quote unquote real reality. And so I think that different artists can be used for very deliberate effect, but that's not usually the case. Um, or if you have, or if you have uh, those, those time leaps or. Yeah. Like uh, Greg Rucka's Wonder Woman run where he had Liam Sharp in the present and Nicholas Gotten Bilquis Evely in the past. So my second question, well, first is a little comment. Uh, we do finally found out, find out for sure who is narrating, and it is Lois. Um, I can't find it now, but there's some scene where she says, like, talking about John as her son. And so it's like, yeah, that's 
So it's definitely Lois, because we had talked about that last time. My question is, where are they going? Like, literally Earth 2? Like, Earth Universe 2? How are they universe jumping? Or are they going to another planet that sustains life? How close is it? Or do they have <laughs> means of getting there quickly if it's light years away? Where are they going? It was, uh, if I can remember, and I'm going to go through the issue while Ian is talking about I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was a planet that the core identified that was safe for them. But I can't remember. So now I'm about to go back and because start Because the core doesn't show up to the very end, and I don't... I mean, I did go by it a little fast, but I, I didn't quite catch that. See, they say they're quarantining Earth, but as we know, quarantine doesn't fix issues. <laughs> um, are they just well, going to quarantine I mean, until not, everyone's dead? Or not to not to get too ripped from the headlines, but a true <laughs> quarantine does work. Um, however, a true quarantine means that yes, everyone who is quarantined either is dead or is healthy, and in this case, it's going to be is dead. Dead. And then their blood is going to be everywhere. Oh, Earth is going to stink. But, um... I mean, they really should just nuke the sun, so... (laughs) Well, yeah, and so Superman is in the process right now of destroying the solar system. I would just... I just had no idea where Earth 2 was coming from. Oh, I mean, it's just... You know, there's thousands of Green Lanterns, and each one of them has whole sectors. I mean, Earth is not the planet that Hal Jordan is responsible for. It's part of the sector that has multiple inhabited worlds. So my guess is it's just uh. another inhabitable world. Uh. Okay. Because um, you see you see a reflection of it, unless they're looking at the quarantined Earth, because that's like... That looks like the gul- the, the Strait of Gibraltar in Europe. I guess, I guess I don't see Italy. Okay, never mind. That doesn't really look like Europe. Just kidding. I mean, I think they did a lot of terraforming, and I think it's clearly going to be drawn to be reminiscent of Earth so that it gives us that feeling of hope so it doesn't feel like we've lost completely everything mm-hmm. hopeful. But, uh, I mean, that's just kind of a science fiction convention. If you ever watch Firefly, basically every planet looks just like Earth with different land masses. So, <laughs> um, Same gravity. Exactly. It's it's basically just a, a convention because okay. to really deal with terraforming and different planets and how they would interact with human life, that gets in the way of a lot of narratives. Now, I think it is its own fascinating narrative. If you ever want to check out Robert Heinlein's Farmer in the Sky, that's about terraforming uh, one of Jupiter's moons, which is a very different environment. So human life is different. But most of the time people telling science fiction stories these days, especially in the comic books, they really want to tell a story about today's issues or basically everyday life, but with a a cool science fiction uh, skin on it. Sort of like a a video game skin. It's not really about the true science fiction concepts. Um, Just because that's a different market, it's a different skill set, sort of like um, superhero comics where you fight a bad guy whose main weakness is being punched too hard is different than a detective story which is why batman comics have taken such a different turn since the new 52 started but yeah i I just think it's a narrative convention that earth 2 is just a different earth 
that has different shapes and we're not supposed to think too hard about the terraforming and different qualities of life there. I was just curious because they called it Earth 2 and that's just a nomenclature for alternate DC universes. So I was Well, like, I think it's like the Adam infecting Captain Adam. It's Tom Taylor giving sort of a, a smiley face to uh, a well-worn concept. Yeah, I just, I, I just think that, you know, that was just the name they gave it, but it was just another like planet that they found in another that the ship you know that maybe Luther found in another star system um because they do exist so you know ship was uh pointing in that direction and, and that's just the name it gave yeah i've been i've been fanning the pages of both uh issue five and six just looking to see if if the core did not mention it, um, but I was looking to see if somehow Lex mentioned it while they were actually in the process of constructing the arc, and I didn't see it there as well. So, I don't know. So, off panel. Off panel land. Except that in Tom Taylor's DC's universe, off panel land usually becomes a digital verse exclusive. So, woohoo! That works for me. So to actually have a discussion question, what was your favorite um, alternate, what is it called? Vari- variety cover? No, variant cover. <laughs> what was your favorite variety cover of these last three issues? So we've got... Well, well I had... I'm trying to see. I had the... Um, the Hall- for issue five, the, well, the only variant that I got, which was the... Uh, the movie variant from uh, oh shoot I can't remember the movie just All like right. that, um, but it was the one with Holly and and the two kids standing at the river. Mine too, and ugh, I just wish they had been drawn like that. Like they were drawn too grown up, too tall. Which I guess for the sake of the story, it did make sense for them and the roles that they have to carry on. It makes sense for them to be a little older, but I really miss. Like the way Jimenez draws John's hair, and so just seeing this one in the back from John from behind, he's got that wispy, like doesn't own a hairbrush hair, and I just think it's so cute. And then they're dead in the bottom part of the panel, which is less cute. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I have a favorite variant because I'm not a horror movie guy. I have been a fan of Jay Anacleto's um, variants. Um, and Inhyuk Lee did a good variant of, for some reason, zombie Harley, zombie Ivy, Batgirl, and Wonder Woman for number six. Um, but I think I might have mentioned, I can't remember, did I mention the uh, the Batgirl variant that Jay Anacleto did for DC's number three? I must have, because it was for last issue, for number three. So yeah, I think I'll go with the um, Inhyuk Lee Zombie Harley, Zombie Ivy attacking Batgirl and Zombified Wonder Woman. And and the the movie issue for number f- five was La Llorona. Llorona. You know, when the trailer for that came out, I heard it was La Giorna or something. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but yeah, that Harley with the two, um, the Super Sons holding her hand, uh, very striking. I mean, that movie cover that movie poster was a striking one. And so the art obviously is pretty striking too. Yeah. Not sure why Harley was the one they selected to be the handholder, but 
Well, I mean, At let's think so. about this logically. <laughs> Harley Quinn <laughs> is the fourth highest selling comic character that DC owns. Quite possibly third, since Wonder Woman often doesn't sell that well. So that's why. Harley can't be selling that much more than than Wonder Woman, is she? Oh, my God. I don't know what she's selling right now, but back in the New 52, during the first couple of years of her solo series by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Pagliari, she was selling like oh, seven, I, I, yeah. 74000 a year, uh, an issue, whereas Wonder Woman usually sold between forty and 50000 So she sold a lot more at that time. And and, and no disrespect to, to Humphreys, but... Uh, Palmiati and, 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 and Amanda Conda, that, that run was really good. It wasn't really my taste, but it certainly had a more distinct identity than Humphreys. Humphreys is much more my taste, but it's much more conventional, I would say. Um, but we're a little off topic here. Let's get to <laughs> Ian's bad take of the episode. So today, my bad take is... This story is relying on continuity characterizations and relationships in an else world. It's cheating. It's relying on your affection for these characters and their relationships in the main continuity. Not cheating at all. In my mind, there are two types of else worlds. There is like a parallel universe where things may be slightly different or completely different or in a different time. Like Gotham by Gaslight is a parallel universe. It has nothing to do with ours. There's nothing. It takes place in a different time technology is cyberpunk for some reason batman's in england or is he i don't know anyway doesn't matter this one is it's more of a like a tee off a why off a tee off anyway it starts in our universe but then we ask a question in our universe if zombies infected the earth if if i don't know i can't think of another question off the top of my head but if just something was different all of a sudden what would happen and i think that's a very fair question because then you don't have to, one, spend the time setting the scene and introducing all the characters and taking the time for exposition, which I hate, <laughs> unless you do it cleverly, which I've seen before. And like you said, I think it's totally fair to already be attached to these characters and just be able to hit the ground running with a story instead of wasting time setting things up. So I think it's fair and I think it's completely valid for an elsewhere story. Most definitely, because again, in, in the else worlds, in the else world universe, you know, um, everything's on the table, and that includes, you know, continuity. Um, you know, just like with injustice, you know, everything seems to be sort of in place until one event turns everything on its head. Yes. So what? Yeah. That's that's the way I feel. Yeah, we, 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 it relies on continuity. Yep. I'm okay with that. So my bad take isn't so much a bad take as I'm just bad for having it. Yeah, oh, no, it, it, but it's a it, preference. It, 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 yeah, it's just, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, it, 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 I think it's a good way of allowing readers to have a connection with the characters that they're used to. Before taking them to a new destination. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah. let me tell you, I never expected Batman to be to be dead and gone before. Oh yeah, we even get to issue three. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad take. It's just a preference. If you like your continuity characters to be safe and in their little safety 
plot armor bubble, <laughs> then they'll that's fine. That's a preference. That's there's nothing wrong with it. If if you like your else worlds to be completely different from anything you have ever known, like uh, White Knight, where you literally have to kind of be introduced to okay, so these is I kind of know them, but how are they different in this universe? That's fine. It's there's nothing wrong with like disliking this and having a bad take on it because of it. But also understand that not everyone thinks. Well, obviously, not everyone thinks this way because deceased <laughs> sold enormous quantities, um, and good for it. I'm glad that a lot of people had a good time with this series. So we've come to the end of our deceased cast part two. Next month we're going to delve into deceased a good day to die and deceased unkillables if you have any questions again please leave us a comment on at tbu underscore comics or on the discord in the channel tbu specials for the podcasts in the meantime i've been ian this is steph and this is theo and thanks for listening to deceased cast